We're going to continue our study in foundational beliefs, foundations of the faith is what we call it. And specifically, this particular series is on future issues. Of course, we dare not even guess about the future unless we were timeless beings. We're not. And so we've consulted with the timeless being, and that's God himself. He exists. He uses time, uh, but he exists outside of it. He's not limited to it. And so he, being in the future, has told us about it, and we have uh, consulted his word in order to be informed. And so I mentioned to you that we were going to examine the uh, prophetic peaks of future issues in God's prophetic mountain range, and that's what each of these mountains represents. And by the way, these were uh, provided for us and produced by Donna Cavender, one of our members who's just a wonderful artist and a tremendously helpful people. And so we hope this will help to illustrate the points. And so we began last week to identify uh, what I believe, and I think most of you believe, to be the next prophetic event uh, on the horizon in God's mountain range of prophetic peaks. And so we began to speak about uh, the rapture uh, last week, and Lord willing, next week, uh, we'll have something here on this second mountain peak. And so you might want to be thinking right now, what do you think is the key prophetic event that takes place immediately after the rapture? So we're raptured, and then what happens? Now, you don't have to answer. You know what would be fun? Why don't you turn to someone and have a little discussion. Let's see what you come up with just for a second, and then it'll give me a chance to prepare. See if you can figure out what do you think is the next event? What will happen? So you're members of the church and you are raptured. What happens then? See what you come up with. <clears throat> All right. Thank you, folks, for taking a shot at it. Tune in next week, and I will tell you the correct answer. <clears throat> yeah, that's how they do it on TV. Tune in next week. So that's what we'll do. But we have enough to discuss tonight. In fact, we ought to pick up where we left off last week. We began to consult a very, very significant passage of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's take a look at it tonight, beginning in verse 16. For the Lord himself. He won't do this by proxy. No, no, no. He will do this himself. He will descend from heaven. He has to. That's where he is. Did you know Jesus was crucified and buried? But that's not the end of the story. Then he rose up from death. But that's not the end of the story. Then he ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, but that is not the end of the story. And then he's going to return himself. He's going to descend. I don't know when. I just know it will be. He has to descend because he is above at present. So the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Yes, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. And it is such a key, wonderful, awesome, glorious event. I sure hope we don't miss it, don't you? 
Have no fear. It's not missable. You see, his coming, the Lord's descent to earth at the rapture, will be accompanied by noise sounds. There will be a shout, uh, there will be a voice, and there will be a trumpet. The shout, perhaps, probably uttered by the Lord himself. I don't know for sure, but I do know this for sure. The word is a military term. It's a command roughly equivalent to fall in. That's what it means. So there will be a shout. Uh, the Lord will command sleeping believers. You know, that's the euphemism for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who have passed on prior to his coming. What happens to them? <laughs> they go up first. My dear sister Belinda, <laughs> any moment Belinda's dear father may be called home to be with the Lord. It's wonderful for her to be, this is what her father would want, for her to be with us tonight. And uh, Mr. Stevens, Calvin Stevens, uh, I'm told, is a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you don't wonder about where he's going, but just in case anyone does, those who, that was how Paul expressed it, you remember last week, fall asleep in Christ, will be the first to rise up. The part of the believer who dies and that sleeps, remember, is just the body. What happens to the essence of the person? Uh, the Christian soul and spirit? Oh, they go immediately to be with the Lord. They do not sleep. So at the rapture, the Lord comes. The prior verses in 1 Thessalonians 4 made it clear. They come with the Lord. Think of it, Belinda. They come with the Lord. And the resurrected bodies of those who have passed on are joined with their, their glorified bodies now, joined with their souls and spirits. And thus they and we shall always be with the Lord. So remember Paul said, we can grieve. We're human. We miss loved ones. But we don't grieve as the rest who have no hope. What's our hope? Resurrection, rapture, reunion. I'll tell you, we have reason to be hopeful. And so there's the voice of the archangel, perhaps, probably Michael. And there's a trumpet of God. And though we have unanswered questions for sure about the details, about the particulars, about the specifics, this much is clear. Uh, the Lord's return at the rapture will be dramatically announced. You won't miss it. Don't worry. And when this happens, when the Lord comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first. There it is. These are the ones we spoke about last week. At the rapture, this will happen. The dead in Christ will rise first. Not only are they not forgotten, as some perhaps wonder, oh no, the dead in Christ rise first. Their bodies are resurrected and united with their souls. This resurrection is a good one. But did you know there's another resurrection in the future? That ain't so good. This resurrection is a resurrection to life. But the Bible speaks of another resurrection, and it's a resurrection to judgment. Take a look, for instance, at John chapter 5, verses 28, 29. Do not marvel at this, it says. Uh, 
An hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So, two prophetic mountain peaks to come. We'll speak more about it, Lord willing, in weeks, months to come. Is the resurrection of life and then the resurrection to judgment. The first one can only be participated in by believers. Only believers are resurrected to eternal life. The second one, the resurrection to judgment, if you're a Christian, uh, you won't be part of that. Uh, that involves those who have rejected Christ as Savior. When will that one take place? It'll take place at an event called the Great White Throne Judgment. And we'll get to it, Lord willing, unless the rapture happens first. And wouldn't that be cool? So at the rapture, the Lord descends, and those who have fallen asleep in Christ rise first. And we read in 1 Thessalonians, the next verse, 17 of chapter 4, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Do you know some say, Stuart, hogwash, rapture, hogwash? You can't even find the word in the Bible. Those are people who don't know what they're talking about. Here it is. You see the two words, caught up? In the Latin Vulgate, it's translated rapture. That's where we got the word rapture. We will be caught up. We will be raptured. There it is. Yes, the word is in the Bible, just not in your language. There it is. We will be, you know what it actually means? It means to seize or to carry off by force. Why would the Lord do something quite like that to us? You know, I was thinking about this. Do you think there's a possibility that some of us as Christians, even when the Lord comes uh, with the voice of the archangel and with this mighty sound through this command to fall in with the trumpet of God, as glorious as it is, do you think some of us might be tempted to say, um, could you wait a while? I, uh, you know, I got to get married first. I got to, I don't know what. I want to go to Europe for, for a while. I mean, what? you know, let me finish this pizza. I think it's possible for us to find a little too much connection to this world and not want to be so quickly translated to the one to come. Hey, it's happened before. I mean, my people, they get let out of bondage in Egypt, 400 plus years of bondage. And what do they say? We want to go back. It's kind of a human nature. You know, we gravitate towards the old and familiar, even though the new, which is ushered in at the rapture, is far more glorious. And I think that's why the word is rapture. To seize, the Lord is going to say, we'll talk later. Now you're coming up with me. Fall in. And then there's another ingredient to this. Try this on for size. If you don't like it, it's okay. Leave it behind. Satan is real, you know. I don't think he wants us to go. I wonder if he'll resist our being translated in rapture. So, oh, mighty God, 
who is far more powerful than the evil one will seize us and snatch us up so as to elude his evil grasp. You don't like it? Leave it behind. I do. That's why I told you. I think it fits. Folks, this rapture is very cool. Something to be looked forward to. Christians who've uh, uh, passed on before us, they rise first. We meet up with them in the air. What a grand reunion, not only with them, but also with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, it's fair to ask the question, when is this grand and glorious event uh, going uh, to actually take place? Well, this is where we well-intentioned Christians part ways, don't we? Not the reality of the rapture so much, but the timing of the rapture. Let me just share with you, I think, the three uh, most prominent positions. One, it's before. Two, it's during. Or three, it's after the tribulation. Tribulation, you have to wait on that. It's another prophetic mountain peak, which we will get to, Lord willing, in weeks to come. And so folks who study the rapture say it's either going to come before the great tribulation, a seven-year period of time, or during. So that would mean three and a half years into this specific time of tribulation or after post-tribulation rapture people, they would say. And because I can't resist sharing what I believe and my opinions and all the rest, I am absolutely persuaded the answer is that it takes place before the tribulation. If I was a lawyer, I would much rather, and I'm not, I'm a Christian, I would much... (laughs) I would much rather argue the case for the pre-tribulational rapture because I think the preponderance of biblical evidence would make my argument very persuasive. You're entitled to your opinion. It's not a test of fellowship, but good night. Why do you want to embrace an obscure position when the very clear one is the pre-tribulational rapture? For instance, do you remember last week we spoke about the imminence of the rapture. And we said that word meant any time, meaning nothing had to precede the rapture in terms of key prophetic events. Everything's done, taken care of. Next event in God's prophetic calendar is the rapture. How could it be imminent if the tribulation has to take place first? You see? So if you opt for a mid- or post-tribulational rapture, then that means you don't hold to the imminence of the rapture. And I can prove to you the rapture is imminent. Well, we spoke about it last week a little bit. So not only that, you cannot show me in the Bible, Old or New Testament, any verse of Scripture addressing the issue of the Great Tribulation wherein the church is mentioned at all. The church is noticeably absent from any tribulation texts. Why is that? Because we ain't here. That's why. We done got raptured pre, prior to the tribulation. Uh, Not only that, there are very clear passages of Scripture that tell us we're not going to go through the tribulation. Now, if you want to, have at it. But, you know, I'll wave Uh, I don't think we're going to go through. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. That's the great tribulation. 
that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, I have to tell you something, and you could dismiss it if you want. Uh, it's a little technical. See where it says those who dwell on the earth or earth dwellers, it might say in your translation? It's a technical term when used, particularly in the book of Revelation. It doesn't mean those who live here on earth. That's us. But when it says those who dwell on the earth are earth dwellers, it's used in contrast to those whose citizenship is in heaven. Folks, we are not earth dwellers in the sense of these earth dwellers whose whole hope is invested in this earth. No, we're aliens. We're passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. This is just the time of our sojourning. This is not the promised land. I mean, I like Houston. It's really cool. But it is not the promised land. We're on the way, you see. So when you see in the book of Revelation reference to earth dwellers, if you're a Christian, that ain't you. And so the time of testing, it says, is coming upon those who dwell on the earth, not us. Also, did you know the tribulation period is a time of the outpouring of God's wrath upon the world? Don't make him a, like a flower child God. He's so loving that he's done everything necessary to keep us anyone from having to go through this. But if we refuse, he's so loving that he won't force himself upon us. And so the tribulation is a time of the outpouring of God's wrath. But the wrath of God will not befall his kids because the wrath of God has already been poured out on his only begotten son on behalf of his kids. Didn't Jesus suffer enough? Do you have to add to his sufferings? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the unbridled wrath of the Father, which befell the Son as our substitute. Therefore, there is no wrath of God, which will befall his saved children. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. See it? who rescues us from the wrath to come. Folks, we are not now being prepared for the wrath of God against us. We are being prepared for the return of God for us. You see the difference? Big difference. So two things, once again, happen at the rapture. One, the resurrected bodies of Christians who have previously died are joined to their souls and spirits. And two, the translated bodies of Christians who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Yeah. Where is that? I think it's the region uh, just above the earth. There this grand meeting uh, will take place. The Lord descending and we ascending. In an instant... Just like that, boom, the church will be gone. Can you imagine the impact on those left behind? You ever think about what effect it'll have? Surely it will cause great consternation. Surely it will give rise to great conversation. And it just occurred to me, don't ever tire of evangelism. 
keep telling people about the Lord Jesus because even though you may not see the right response, then maybe your testimony and witness will bear fruit after the rapture. When people say, I wonder if what so-and-so told me is actually true because I can't find so-and-so. You see? Our labors are not in vain. Keep telling people about the Lord Jesus. So at the rapture, the Lord descends, the dead rise, the living are caught up, and all believers will be with the Lord forever. And so we shall always be with the Lord. So don't miss the main point. Whether Christians are dead or alive at the Lord's coming, they will always be with the Lord. This is our great reward. Intimacy forever with Jesus himself. Someone wrote, called to meet him in the air. My soul, look up and sing. No sordid world to vex thee there forever with our king. The rapture. Now, let me tell you something about Jewish marriage because I always want to get my Jewish thing in. It actually pertains to the topic. Did you know ancient Jewish marriage had four parts to it? And the first phase of ancient Jewish marriage was that the father of the groom would pay the bridal price. Father of the groom would do this. He would make all arrangements affect the timing of things. It was the responsibility of the father of the groom to pay the bridal price. And the second thing that would happen is that the groom would then fetch his bride. What does that mean? Well, he's been living with his folks. She's been living with her folks. And then at a time determined by his father, not by him. He doesn't know when he's going to get his bride. His father has to tell him. You get where this is going? Then he goes after a place for his bride has been prepared, not before. And then he goes and he fetches her and he embraces her and he brings her unto his, under his roof. And then there's the wedding ceremony itself, and then the last phase is the marriage supper. Folks, if you pay attention to the four phases in an ancient Jewish wedding, you will see a remarkable parallel with regard to the Lord's weddedness to us. He was Jewish, you know. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> so, phase one, the father pays the bridal price. Ah. God the Father did it 2,000 years ago. He paid it in blood, didn't he? Mm. He paid the bridal price. 2,000 years have uh, gone by thus far. The son hasn't yet returned. Nobody knows when. Only the Father. But it's the next event on the horizon. The rapture is when our heavenly husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, is sent by the Father right on time. When things are ready for us in our heavenly abode to fetch us from this 
passing thing called earth and to bring us into his heavenly home. That's the rapture of the church. So what is going on right now? John 14, verses 1 to 3 tells us, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, says the Lord Jesus. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Second phase of Jewish wedding, that's the rapture. Because of the hopefulness and the grandeur and the joy and the certainty of all this, Paul closes our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, with these words. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus will return for us, his bride. There will be the consummation of it all as he takes us from this place into our heavenly home. There will be the marriage supper of the Lamb, and you and I, Christians, will not merely be invited guests. <laughs> We're the bride. Don't you get it? We're the bride of Christ, and thus we shall be with the Lord forevermore. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you notice it does not say, therefore, take comfort because this isn't about you taking. This is about you and me giving. Therefore, give comfort to one another with these words. You see it? So my fellow brothers, sisters in Christ, when people get inundated by the throes of life, that's all of us, too depressed by it all, too discouraged by it all, too cynical by it all, too saddened by it all, too disappointed by it all, to be a functioning Christian offering living proof, then you go into your giving phase and you give comfort with these words. And in your words, you communicate this truth. This too shall pass. God who has brought you Thus far has not done so to abandon you in the desert. And if he died and rose up from dead, the first fruits of it all, that means you and I will follow. He's the first fruits from the dead. He won victory over the last enemy, death. So the worst thing that could happen to you or I is that we die. Don't worry about it. We just sleep for a spell. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And one day when he comes for us at the Father's command, right on time after he has prepared a place for us, he will seize us from the hold of this worldly corrupt place and bring us into mansions on high where we will be with the Lord forevermore. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Don't read the news so much. Stop watching it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In a second, no politics will matter, no crime, no corruption, 
No uh, crazy TV shows, no new age this and that, no false teachers, no failing economy, no war in Iraq or Afghanistan. No. In an instant, in an instant, we'll be taken home. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Good news. If you die, he's coming back with you. If you live, he's coming back for you. Anyway, you cut it. You can't lose. Unless you say, Lord Jesus, thank you, but no thank you. I know what you've done. I've heard it plenty. People say you came and suffered and died for my sins. <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. Then you're in big trouble. There is no hope for you. You know what happens to you? You too don't die forever. You live forever in a state of deadness. You have eternal awareness of what you need and eternal deprivation of satisfaction of your needs because the great satisfier of needs is the one who you rejected. It's hell-ish. It's hell. Don't go there. Jesus made a way away from it. I am the way, he said. The truth, the life. Nobody can access the Father but by me. Why don't you say, Lord Jesus, come into my life today. Forgive my sin. I got plenty. Take care of the debt I owe you. I can't pay. Fill me up with your presence. Give me hope. See you at the rapture, Lord Jesus. Father, that's what our prayer is for those even in our midst tonight who perhaps still yet have not made the decision to allow you to be wedded to them. As strong, as big, and powerful as you are, you just don't force yourself upon anyone, so you simply invite. So pray in the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you might invite some tonight to come to you. I love your invitation. You say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Lord Jesus, I pray some would invite you to do that very thing tonight. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me. I owe a debt. I've broken your law. I've sinned, and I'll probably do it again. I'm in trouble. Forgive me. Grant me your pardon. Adopt me into your family. Marry me. Make me to be part of your bride. And give me a longing expectation for your perhaps soon return. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen.